Do you trust God? Do you trust God for the good things in life? Or do you trust God in all things? Especially when they go bad. If you would stand with me while you think about that for a moment, turn to Job, the first chapter. I want to read seven verses, verses 6 through 12. I try to name my sermons. Pretty simple guy. I would call this Many Are Called and Few Are Chosen. Many Are Called and Few Are Chosen. Job, the first chapter, sixth verse. Now there was a day when the sons of God came into the present to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. God likes to brag on us every now and then. He did here. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. God, we love to worship you. We thank you for this Holy Spirit's presence here this morning. Lord, we pray that you would take this simple sermon, these feeble lips, feeble mind. God, you would open the ears, the hearts, the minds, and the souls of the people to hear what you would have them to hear, not what I say. We'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God called Job out to Satan. And Satan took the challenge. And he absolutely destroyed Job's life. In a matter of, I don't know if it was hours or days, but Job's life went from being one of the richest men in the known world or that known area at that time till suddenly his crops are disappeared, his land is destroyed, his herds, flocks are stolen and driven off, and he's worse than penniless. He's just hopelessly lost everything. And I want to say that it's easy to, to jump on Job's wife and what she did and telling him to curse God and die was not right. But what would you do in her case? Because she had just lost everything that Job lost. Job's life destroyed. It was so destroyed, he went from one day being one of the most respected men, if you'll go read the story, that within days, the little children threw rocks at Job when they seen him. 
That's quite a change. How would you handle that? There was a second meeting in heaven. And Satan apparently was required to go. And God asked him again, have you considered my son Job? And Satan said, yeah, but all it did is take all his stuff. What was the big deal? I mean, he's lost his family, his children are... You know, Job got up every day and made sacrifices in case his children had done something wrong. He sacrificed for them. He prayed for them. He cared about his family. They were so important to him. He lost them as well. They're gone. And now Satan's taken everything, but he acts to God like it's not a big deal. And he says, give me his health and he'll curse you. Same story. And I don't know if you've ever been around or maybe had a boil yourself. I've not, but I watched my children have, uh, have a few of them. And one boil will just stir up the whole family. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. Imagine Job had boils, it says, from the bottom of his foot to the top of his head. He was literally covered in boils, the agonizing pain that had to be. And yet he didn't curse God. So I ask you the question, because I've asked myself, and I continue to ask it. When God brings up your name in heaven, how's that conversation go? Does he consider Tony? Fill in your name. Satan, have you considered my servant? Just wonder how that conversation goes. Because I suspect that at times when that conversation comes up, Satan says, oh yeah, but you've, you've put a hedge about him. You pull that hedge back and let me at him. And I think that at times God has to say no. They can't handle it. They're not strong enough. So I would tell you this. I believe that if your life is going real smooth, maybe you better look at your spiritual life. Because Satan doesn't fight people that are going the same direction as him. He's after the ones that are trying to grow. He's, after the, he, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't need to steal, kill, and destroy somebody going the same direction he is. He's looking for that one to go after. And I pray, I'm not looking to go through hard times. I think I've seen a few. But God says to rejoice in those hard times. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be. It's just what God asks us to do. In 1974, I was four years old. I don't remember it. I had hair, a little bit anyway, and it was blonde, I mean white blonde. There you go, my aunt's in the service today. (laughs) That hadn't been said about me in a while. I have an uncle, I had an uncle, Eddie. I'll try not to say Uncle Eddie because I know that's probably a little cheesy and weird, but that's how I knew him. Eddie 
graduated high school in 1972 or 1973. And Eddie was quite a guy. I, I didn't get to know him well when he was uh, obviously that age. I was four years old. Eddie in high school, nobody knew it until later, but Eddie was an athlete. He qualified for the state 100-yard dash that year. Uh, back then it was uh, 100 yards, not 100 meters. He was fast. He was, he was an athlete. He graduated in the top 10% of his class. And he was elected the student body president. He was popular. But he was so unassuming that he never told any of his family that. We never knew. Until years later. Eddie graduated high, or high school and went off to college. High expectations. His whole life ahead of him, amazing things to happen. He went to Mid-American Nazarene College, we found out later as well, that he felt a call to preach and to ministry. And so he, he started college. Now, you have to understand where I grew up. It was back in the hills of Missouri. His house was 18 miles from the uh, closest town. And when you got to my grandparents' house, you were at the end of the road. It didn't go any farther. It stopped right there. And so this is where Eddie grew up. And Eddie went to Mid-American Nazarene College in Kansas City and started his first year of college. And it became a real struggle for him. He, it was different. He was away from home. He got a good job, bought a brand new Plymouth. Um, so life looked good on the outside. Things were going well. He's still living in the dorm. But Eddie began to get away from the life that he had known of following God. He got away from some things. He was going the wrong direction. But as happens on the Christian campuses, they had a, some revival services, and Eddie went to those services. It was on a Thursday or a Friday night, and as some of you have already felt the move of God, and you will, if he's tugging at your heart, answer that. Eddie did that night. He came to the altar and really got some things settled in his life that lasted him a lifetime. Within 24 to 48 hours, Eddie came down with the flu. Nothing unusual about that, but he was in a dorm, kind of by himself, maybe a roommate. But the fever began to rise, and it went up. And it went up, and it went up, and it went up. And it went into his brain. It began to attack his brain. He became, became what was called uh, viral encephalitis. And it literally destroyed his brain within days. When they brought Eddie home, he was a shell of what he had been. He had about 60% of his memories from before encephalitis. And he had no short-term memory after that. All of life that had been in front of Eddie was gone. And Eddie spent a lifetime dealing with that. Now I'll tell you that he was a great playmate for a five, six, seven, eight-year-old. I mean, to have a guy this big that's your buddy that you're playing with. In fact, it, my grandma now, he, he has to live with them, did for several years, and then entered and lived in homes uh, from that point forward. But she would drop my uncle off, and he would play with me through the afternoon while she had to go run some errands. 
And there one afternoon, my mother is in the kitchen working, and she hears this house-shaking crash. Runs to the kitchen door, looks in, in time to see me at four or five years old, hop onto the end of the couch, run down, up on the other end, and jump off. Followed by my uncle. (laughs) Climbs up on the couch, runs down the couch, jumps off, and the house shakes. And she stops. She goes, Eddie, what are you doing? And he looked at her dumbfounded and goes, well, Tony told me to. (laughs) We had a lot of fun. Uncle Eddie was a great playmate. Loved him to death. He wrote poems and songs. Even in that state of mind when he couldn't function a lot, his brain still worked. He could do acrostics. He did really, he wrote some amazing stuff. But he also now lived in a very regimented life. And so invariably, when he would spend the afternoon, then I would ask, hey, can I go home and spend the night with you? And, and so, you know, here we are. We're buddies, right? He's this big, I'm this big, but it doesn't matter. We, we enjoyed hanging out. And so away we go. And home, I told you, I lived down under the hill. My grandpa kept the cow. He milked it and drank the fresh milk. I did not, but he did. I, I mean, it was, he was a builder. It wasn't like they were poor or anything, but that's how he lived. He'd grown up that way. And I would spend the night. And just remember this. I told you that he had a life-changing experience 24 to 48 hours before the sickness hit him. At 5.30 every morning, you woke up. If you were with him, he did. His alarm went off, and the radio came on. The local gospel radio station in Springfield, Missouri is KWFC. If you've ever been there, you might have heard it. They signed on at 5.30 in the morning with the national anthem, and Uncle Eddie was very patriotic. He loved his country. And then the Haven of Rest, a 30-minute radio show. Some of you may remember it, may have ever heard it. Most of you probably never heard of it. But he would listen to that 30-minute radio station. And that's how Uncle Eddie started every day, worshiping God. It didn't matter what had happened to him. He had made some decisions before the sickness, and they just carried through. Life wasn't easy. Life was a real struggle. But back to the story of Job. You know, his friends turned on him. His three friends. He had three friends. I expect if you've got really close, have three friends in your life, that's probably pretty good. His three turned on him and told him all the horrible things he had done. All the bad that he had done. They, I mean, they had everything. Literally, the whole world is against him. And finally, Job stood up for himself a little bit. And here's what he said in the 13th chapter of Job, verses 15 and 16. He said, though he slay me, he's talking about God, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. He just said, though he slay me, now he's saying, he'll be my salvation. For an hypocrite shall not come before him. You can't fake it. You can trust Him, but you can't fake it. God knows what's in your heart. It does not matter what comes out your mouth. You might fool man, 
You'll not fool God. He knows. I appreciate Job. He stood for what he believed. He believed in God. And just because every earthly possession was taken away from him, he didn't turn on God. He believed in God. He knew that God gave it to him, and God took it away, some form or fashion. And I watched this in my uncle's life. Like I said, he loved God. He stood for God. He shared the gospel as best he could at times. But life was a real struggle. We didn't know it at the time, found it out really some years later. But I told you, I'm part of a large family, and we have large get-togethers. It would be 100 people or more at a family get-together. And what happens at family get-togethers? Everybody that you haven't seen in five or ten years, you, you share what's been going on in your life. They share theirs. You know, some of this and that back and forth. And you find out, oh, yeah, whatever. We vacationed at the same place or whatever happened. But you, you find out. But Eddie had nothing to share. And he would leave a family get-together and he would tell whoever he came with, I didn't have anything to talk about. Even with the people that loved him the most, he was alone. But when he was in his normal every day, he stood up for what he believed. He stood up every time. And there were just things that Eddie wouldn't compromise on. He went to a daily workshop. And at a table near him was a man who was cursing, using God's name in vain. And you'll see that happen with people that struggle mentally, and then you'll just see it with people. We all work around people that curse, sometimes when other things would fit better, and they're just cursing. And so the point that so many of us get numb to it, we don't even react to it, or you don't even realize it happens at times. And I have to admit, I'm, I'm in that environment as well. But Eddie was near a man that was cursing, and he would not stop. And Eddie couldn't take it anymore because he was hearing his God's name taken in vain. And out of frustration in his state, came out of his chair, grabbed a chair, shoved it through the ceiling, and ripped the door off of its hinges. Now, he was no longer allowed to go there, and understandably so. But I just wonder, what was God's reaction to that? Because somebody stood up for his name. There's a man cursing, swearing, degrading the God that died for us, and somebody finally stood up for him. Now on earth, I understand it had to be handled. I just wonder if God might have cheered a little bit. Thank you very much. About time. I mean, Jesus turned over the money changers and ran them out, right? For nonsense in His Father's house. I'm not suggesting you do that, but if the Lord leads, we'll take up a collection to bail you out. (laughs) 
Here's what I think God thinks about that. You look at Zephaniah, the third chapter in the 17th verse, he said this, The Lord your God is with you. The Israelites are under attack. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. And in his love, he will no longer rebuke you. But he will rejoice over you with singing. It says God will rejoice. You want to hear God sing? Man, I enjoyed the singing a while ago, but I really want to hear God sing. And there's a day coming when that will happen. But to realize that God gets excited about us. When we're going through our toughest times, God's watching over us, how we react, the things that we do. God rejoices. And you and I have just watched and then continue to watch a situation where I believe that God's done some rejoicing. I'd like to share it with you. I don't see him back there now. I think he went downstairs. But Luke Dinsmore, I, I looked this up. I can say it, I think. Guillain Barr syndrome. Little Luke in January, I believe it was, got sick. And within days was completely paralyzed. And if you see him today, you'll not notice a whole lot. He has come back amazingly. God has done amazing things. Yes, absolutely. Praise the Lord. Thank God for what He's done and doing. But as the Dinsmore have documented on Facebook a lot, and, and some of us talk, I know that we don't near know all that has gone on there. But I know that some of the rehab, some of the time while he was paralyzed and then through the rehab, was agonizing for him. And I want to show you a quick about 10 second video of what God is doing. I think you'll have an appreciation for it. If you would, guys, let's... That's amazing. Yeah. God's done a work there and He's not done. I'm going to show you that in a minute again. I want you to catch something. Maybe you caught it, but when I watched that, it just, man, I got excited. What I could see is Luke walking. But what does God do when a young Christian gets up and begins to stagger? And life's beating the tar out of him. It knocks him down. And he squeals in delight because, God, look, I just walked. But there's another piece to that. I don't know if you heard it right at the end of that. I heard his mother laughing. But I heard his dad laugh. He hollered, Dad, look, I can walk. And I heard his daddy laugh. Not at him. He was laughing with him in joy and excitement. He was loving him. He was standing up and cheering for him, really what he was doing. I played that again. And catch this. Do you understand that's what happens in heaven when a new Christian gets saved? 
And I know that in a crowd this size, somewhere, we have someone that's not saved this morning, more than likely, almost guaranteed. And can I tell you that God sits on the edge of his throne, Jesus beside him, and they're just waiting. They want so bad to stand and cheer. Here's how I know that. In Luke 15, in the 10th verse, it says, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It doesn't say the angels rejoice. They weren't part of it. It says in the presence. Now who's in the presence? God's in the presence. God is the one that does the cheering when a sinner is saved. When a Christian gets back up when they get knocked down. When you and I lose everything, or we get the breath knocked out of us, and we stand back up, and we take it, and we say, thank you, Lord. We love you. We trust Him. The question I ask in the beginning, do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? Imagine God cheering you on. You just lost your job. And you stand up. God, I trust you. You just lost a loved one. God, I trust you. And in heaven, He's standing and cheering. He loves you. Is He going to remove it? No. It's about preparation for the next world. We're going to go. It says we're going to go through tough times, but as we go through them, the Bible tells us to rejoice in it, to praise Him through it. He's about helping us through it. If He brings it to you, He will help you through it. I can't wait to get to heaven one of these days and watch God cheer. I just, He's singing and cheering. I, I just remember the feeling. I watched my son play baseball. Through high school, I mean the hours and hours and hours of practice, hitting, fielding, learning where to stand in the outfield, how to turn, how to move when a pitch. You can't believe all the technical stuff that goes into just playing the game of baseball. And I watched him through all of his high school years and through two years of college. He redshirted the first year of practice all the time, uh, not to even get to play. And then in his sophomore year, in my so his sophomore year, I watched him play. I was in Salina and watched him hit a home run off the top of the scoreboard. And it never crossed my mind. I found myself on both feet, hands in the air, screaming for my son at the top of my lungs. And all the other parents are looking at me. And I didn't care. And can you imagine what goes on in heaven when Jesus stands up and cheers because He died for someone and they've repented and they're going to spend eternity in heaven, it isn't anything like being at a baseball game. It's way beyond that. And He's cheering for us. When one of His goes through a tough time and they break through the other side and they do the right thing. And I watched as Eddie and Luke have done that. If you talk to little Luke, he'll tell you. 
God did it. Right? Um, absolutely. He... Matthew 20 and the 16th verse says, So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. The first part of that verse says, So the last shall be first, and the first last. Can I just tell you that God doesn't measure success like this world does? It's completely opposite. Everything in this, on this earth, everything in this world. Listen, if you were going to start a company, you wouldn't hire Eddie and Luke. right? If you're going to try to win, you're not going to get Eddie and Luke. You don't want them on your team, nothing. And I watched as Eddie, in this world's goods, finished last in everything. He could never have a family. He couldn't have a career. He could never, the car that he owned had to be sold. He couldn't drive it. He, everything that, that we in this world see as success, Eddie couldn't do. Luke, he was beyond anything he could do or his parents could do. God helped the doctors and they've done some amazing things. But the fact is, you wouldn't choose him to be on your team. Not yet. It's coming. And yet God doesn't measure it like we measure it. He says, so the last shall be first and the first last. And I only wonder, when we get to heaven, I wonder what Eddie and Luke are going to be in charge of because they've gone through things you and I don't know how to handle. And I believe that this earth is preparation for the next life. Folks, look at your life. What are you dealing with? I don't know what's coming in the next few days. But understand, let's worship the Lord. It's preparation. I could go down every aisle here and their stories, their situation. Life is happening. For many are called, but few are chosen. Is the last part of that verse. Can I just tell you that Eddie and Luke, two different people, they'll never meet this side of eternity. My uncle died and we had to bury him. They didn't volunteer. It says many are called and few are chosen. They didn't volunteer to go through what they've gone through. The families didn't. God chose them. What's He chosen for you? I believe the few include all Christians. There's a, we're going to be few that make it to heaven. And I believe the few are chosen. What are you dealing with? What are you going to deal with? You need to know this. If you're here this morning and you're unsaved, God sets ready to cheer when you turn your life to Him. You need to know this morning if you're here and you're going through tough times. There are things you're going through you never dreamed you'd go through. You weren't prepared for. You need to know that God is cheering for you. He's on your side. He's pulling for you. And He's just asking you to give it all to Him.